0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp Podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at RivervalleyRanch.com. Enjoy. How many guys would say you could relate to somebody in that skit at some in some level? A lot of us. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting that. We all come from like different areas. We all have different backgrounds. Um, but at the end of the day, every single human being has the same sort core set of, of needs. We all have a need to feel seen. We all have a need to feel loved. And we all have a, a need to, to feel known and, and to know that we're enough. And um, I think what's crazy is that any time that need isn't met, we're going to do our best to either uh, fill it on our own in a unhealthy, or I mean, healthy or unhealthy way, or maybe it originally was healthy, but then it became unhealthy. Um, and oftentimes we miss out on understanding that every need that we have um, God desires to, to fill. So I want to kind of talk about that a little bit tonight. Uh, let's let's pray real quick. God, I thank you for every student in this place, every leader in this place. I thank you that you see what we're struggling with. you see what we came in here with. you see what no one else does. I pray that tonight we take a step closer to Trusting you with those secret areas, with trusting you with our hurts, trusting you with our past, trusting you with our present and future. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, or if you're going to look at the Sky Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Actually, let's let's start in the beginning. Let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter one. I'm sorry, a pump fake you production team. We're gonna go to Genesis. Genesis chapter chapter three. As you guys are looking for it, if you have a Bible, it's literally like the third page. If you see anything else, you went too far. Um, but shout out the cooks, man. That peach cobbler mashup thing, I don't know what it was, but it was fire. So thank you, Jesus, for them. So if you remember, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, that's where we started, I think, in night one, we understood that we were created in the image of God, right? Because you were yelling at your person that, you know, you look like God and stuff like that. So we understand we were made in the image of God. We, have a, we were made on purpose for a purpose. But something interesting happens between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 3. So God has conversations with, with Adam, and he lets him know, um, hey, I've, I've created a whole world for you, this, this, this per paradise. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to find joy in it. And you can do whatever. You can, you know, you can, he's naming pandas, he's um, ocelots, Whatever. He's doing all the things. And um, he says, hey, just want you to do me favor. There's just one tree I don't want you to mess with. Um, you can have all the other trees, but there's just one tree that's off limits. And uh, he says, stay away from that one. And I like, all right, cool bet. But then in Genesis chapter 3, which is where we're going to pick up at, something happens. It says that, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, the woman is Eve, so right after God made Adam, he made Eve. Uh, he said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves." Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I'm going to stop you right there. I heard you in the garden, but I was naked, so I hid. Now, I want you to think about what's happened before this. So, in this scenario, God was not um, some distant, far-off being that, you know, you close your eyes and pray to. God was not a religious figure that, you know, you hear about from your parents. Uh, God was not um, represented on crosses or chains or necklaces or anklets or any of that. God was the relational father that hung out with Adam and Eve on a daily basis. It says that he was walking around the garden, presumably as he normally did. Like this was just a normal thing. He just, God has his morning strolls and he walks around and Adam and Eve, they bring their little pet lion and tiger and they walk with God and it was amazing. But one decision did something that had a crazy reverberating effect, it caused them to go from looking forward to their daily walks with God to hiding away and covering them up themselves because they were worried that he'd be disappointed in them. And have, I don't know if you can relate to this. Um, I never grew up on the East Coast like many of you. Or in other countries, so I don't know if this is just a you know a California thing or a West Coast thing, but you can tell me have you ever done something and you knew you were getting in trouble, so you tried to hide it and cover it up so nobody would find out oh okay so that's a universal okay okay um, <laughs> True story when i was uh, I was like probably nine years old, I had a cousin and um to be honest, he wasn't even my cousin. He was my best friend, but we hung out all the time. So, anybody have a, have a person like that in your life where you're like, you're like, how are you guys related? Uh, well, technically, we're not, but he eats all my food, so you know. So it was like that, and uh, we were we were home, and we had a babysitter that night. Our parents were gone, and my cousin was like, I want to dye my hair, and I was like, Oh, I could do that. I could dye your hair. Now, I'm like literally 10 and a half. I've never died anything in my life. But I was like, can't be that hard. I'll do it. So uh, we went into his, his uh, we started going around the house, and I found, a, I found a, a can, a spray can. And I was like, looks right. So uh, I told him, to, I said, come to the bathroom. So he came in the bathroom. And I proceeded to just spray whatever was in that can all over my, my cousin's head. And uh, to this day, I think it came out pretty good considering I was a 10-year-old with no experience. You know what I mean? There was no YouTube videos for me to watch. There was no, like, th- this was just freestyling. And so I got all up in his head, and I'm just, you know, spraying away. I'm spraying. I'm spraying. And uh, after a while, he was like, it kind of burns, and I was like, "It's supposed to do that. Don't worry, you know." I'm like, <laughs> and so I'm spraying this stuff in his head, and then uh, I'm just—we just gotta let it sit a little bit. And uh, so we let it sit. I think that was the worst thing we could have did. And then his parents uh, come home, and um, we weren't even embarrassed, to be honest. I was kind of proud. I was like, hey, look what I did for Todd. And I was hoping it was going to come out like this. Like, like, like this was the goal. Like, like uh, I don't know what color this is, but it's, that was the goal. That was the goal. Um, but that's not what the outcome was. I wanted it to be this amazing blonde. But I guess when you spray glue into someone's hair, and it comes out like a silverish, whatever. That's frowned upon, because then I got yelled at. My mom started calling poison control. I got cussed out. Or well, yeah, I did. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Have your parents ever forgot they were Christian? Yeah. And you're like, you wouldn't say that in front of the pastor, yeah. you know? I'll meet, you. You could meet Jesus right now. <laughs> you're like, and so here's the best part of the story. 10 years old uh, with a silver head, I had to go home. They sent me home instantly. And when I saw him on church that next day, my cousin was bald. <laughs> like, bald, bald. And this wasn't like, you know, like a, if it was a, 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 a health something where you have sympathy for the Like, oh, they're just, you know, it wasn't no alopecia It was jacked up bald. Like, ah! <laughs> That man bomb <laughs> It was bad. It was bad, bad. But the point of my story was, I really, I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> you ever start on something like, I'm just going to finish it. I really don't. That's not really, that's not really what I was trying to go. I have a better, I have a better story though. <laughs> So, so true story. One time, um, me and that same cousin. Years later, we did. Have you ever? You ever have a cousin or a friend that you 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 love, but y'all fight all the time? Okay, okay. So we did. We would fight all the time. We would wrestle. We would fight. We would argue. And one time, uh, we were in the kitchen fighting. Yeah, and and he was smaller than me. Like I was taller than him. He was smaller than me. But just one day he just, like, he just, like, tweaked. Have you ever seen, like, a friend have, like, look in your eye, like, oh, they're mad, mad. Yeah. And he just went super saiyan, and he, he shoved me straight into the oven and shattered the oven. Yeah, it was crazy. I had an amazing childhood. This is just rare instances. But, but he, we shattered the thing. And so instantly we forgot we were mad at each other, and all we could think of is we better clean this or we're going to get murdered by our parents. And, uh, <laughs> so we did the thing where we tried to put things back together. And then as soon as our parents came home, we just tried to keep them out of the kitchen. Have you ever done that? You're like, as long as I distract them, they'll never really see that this super expensive appliance that I can't replace. Cause I'm 14 without a job. <laughs> and, uh, Again, I just remember uh, we did our best, but it was one of those things where I was like, I already know as soon as they see it, it's over for me. And um, true story, I don't remember that summer because I was home that whole summer. Like there was nothing fun about that entire year of my life after they saw the oven. But here's what I think. I think oftentimes when it comes to God, we we have that same kind of concept. Like, I've really messed up this time. And there's nothing I can do to fix this. So I'm just going to avoid it and act like it's not real. So I don't actually have to. I'm going to just do it Adam and Eve. I'm just going to cover this up and hide. I'm just going to avoid thinking about God. I'm going to avoid church. I'm going to avoid trying to feel anything. And maybe it's not even God. Maybe you don't even count God as the equation. Maybe you do like the girl in the video. Maybe there's things in your life that are going on that maybe aren't even your choice. But you rather just try to hide, avoid having to face it or having to deal with it. So you find all these other things to make you feel seen or loved or known. I, um, I told you guys about our homie David, right? Remember David and in, and in Psalms, he was, he was right, right this amazing. Do we, have, do we still have that? Do we still have Psalms 139 when he, he wrote that amazing love letter to, maybe not, but I remember it. He talked about how I'm beautifully and I'm wonderfully made, and God, you know me, and all these beautiful things. And here's what I wanted to kind of tell you guys about. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, the same David, so remember David was writing poetry to God, and he had this amazing relationship, and uh, he kills, you know, giants, and he does all these amazing things. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, something different happens. And it says, oh, we have it. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, that was his best friend, with the king's men and the whole Israelite army, and they destroyed the Ammonites and the besieged Reba, but David remained in Jerusalem. And then it says, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace, and from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. David's like a 16-year-old boy. He's like, hey, what's her name? (laughs) Hey, go ask her what's her name. What's her snap? (laughs) The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly cleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. That went from, like, a a DM to, like, a life-changing situation real quick. Now, here's here's what you won't notice. And if you just read it like that, you're like, whoa, that escalated quickly. But it's easy to just be like, dang, okay, David. But it's worse than that. It's even worse than it looks right there. Because as it said, this woman was already married Yeah, she was a whole wife already. So David is a homewrecker. But notice it says he slept with her. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, they they took a nap. I forgot. You guys have TikTok and Snapchat and my bad. My bad. Well, let me tell you what it doesn't say. It wasn't just a, a passionate night. David raped her. Because her being a married woman, she had no choice when the king himself says he wants you. And that time, women's rights was non-existent. And so David took advantage of her being a voiceless, defenseless husband who was away at the time, woman, and did what he wanted with her. So I don't know about you, but it has me thinking, how does the dude who just wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, go into raping married women? Like, that does not seem like the same guy we were just hyping up last night for killing giants, and he has his thousands, and David his tens. Like, that's plot twist. But here's the sad thing about sin. Here's the sad thing about sin. I heard it said like this. Sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay. It will keep you longer than you're willing to stay. And sin is something that you might have an intention of what you plan to do with it, but it has a bigger and worse intention of what it wants to do with you. Sin starts off as a thought of, man, nobody wants me. And it evolves into something that I'll do anything to make myself feel wanted. I know that me sending these nudes to him probably isn't the best thing, but. I'd rather feel wanted than feel unseen. Sin goes from uh, I know it's not enough to just feel emotionally depressed. Let me add cutting to it to erase some of the pain. And and the the the, the saddest thing I think about sin is I don't I don't think sin is easily defined as just, well, you should do this and you shouldn't do this. I think sin is anything that causes you to stop trusting in the love of God. That's really what sin is. That's really what happened with Adam and Eve. The, The point wasn't, don't eat the tree. The point was, trust that everything else I have available is better than the one thing I'm telling you to stay away from. For David, the sin wasn't just doing real life, looking at Pornhub. It wasn't just messing with another man's wife. It wasn't just taking forceful advantage of a woman. It wasn't just, I didn't even finish the story. He actually went and had her husband murdered once he couldn't figure out a way to make it look like the husband the baby was the husband's. Like, it's a whole, you should read 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's a crazy, crazy, crazy. It's like real life Game of Thrones. It's insane. But wait, 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 wait. What rocks my mind is that all of this, if you trace it back, it all comes down to the fact that David didn't believe this. David that wrote about how God gives me everything I need, he stopped believing that for a moment. And he decided to try to give himself everything that he thought he needed. And I know it. I thought, I don't know about you, but this is what I thought when I read it. I was like, David's a mess. I would never do that. David's the worst and then I thought about how many times have I not trusted God and tried to solve my needs, my way, and I've caused myself pain. I've caused others pain. But most importantly, I've, I've caused God pain. Because I can tell you now, like, now that I'm the old guy, now that I'm, you know, three kids and a wife into this, I remember what it was like being 15 and just sitting at camp. And thinking like, ah, I would, he doesn't get it, or I wouldn't do that. Or, well, I don't really feel guilty, like I don't, it must not be sin. And I can tell you now, as a dad, what would hurt my heart the most is if my daughter or my son needed something, and I was able to give it to them, but they didn't trust that I would, And so they did it their own way and it caused them pain. That would break my heart as a father. I'm like, why would you depend on, why are you trying to get attention from that stupid boy who can't even spell his name right? Instead of just asking me and I would have given you anything. And I'm just me. How much more so does God feel? Like, David ruined an entire family. Family. But how much more, as much pain as he caused that woman, as much pain as he, he caused other lives that were affected, how much more was God hurting? Because he loved that woman even more. He loved that woman's husband. He loved David. I think that... Uh, The thing I used to think about sin, I used to think about sin as like these rules of like doing, I used to think of Christianity as like a bunch of rules, like do this, don't do that. Anybody else ever had that thought? Like, okay, three of us are honest, the the rest of you. Maybe you just have a better perspective than we did. But I avoided God because I thought I could never, I could never be a Christian. Like a real one? Absolutely not. I could go to church on Sundays when my mom made me, you know, I could play kumbaya, I could sing the songs in the back. If there was a cute girl, I might show up on time, go to youth group too, you know. But I could never actually be a real Christian. Like, there's, there's no way. I'm trying to have too much fun in my life. Anybody ever have that thought? Like, cool. You guys are the worst. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I was there. And then I realized something. And uh, Maui, you can do your thing. I don't know what to call it, but it's, you know, it's the Maui thing. But I had this thought. I had this thought. I, um, have you ever thought, like, maybe it's just me. Anybody ever, like, you go on, you get stuck, like, in a car in a long way or your Wi-Fi dies and you just start thinking? Isn't it the weird, like, when you're, like, alone, like, there's no Wi-Fi, or maybe you got your phone to because you weren't, you know what I mean? Like, you're just stuck with your thoughts. It gets crazy in there, right? So, so I had this thought one time. I was like, if I feel this way, like, if I want to have fun, but yet everything I think I want to have fun doing is considered a sin or bad, then why would God give me that feeling in the first place? Anybody ever had that? Like, like if I want to do something, but it's wrong, then why would he let me feel that in the first place? Yeah? So I, I told you I got kids, right? I got like a nine-year-old. Okay, so my nine-year-old, I told you, she's my favorite. She's the best, okay? She's awesome. I got to see her today. She's, she's having a great time at camp. So, so we do this thing where, we'll, like, when she was little, we would, we would, the reason she was really my favorite is because when we, she was little, she had no fear. We would go to Disneyland. We, she won all the rides like a straight savage, okay? She'd stand on her tippy-toes, make sure her head hit the little line so we could go through, right? You got remember that when you were like, I hope I make the line. I hope I make the line. It's the best feeling in the world when you're finally, whew, you know. Some of you will never know that feeling. But anyway. Um, <laughs> just kidding. We're platforms. Get the. So, so, so I always loved that, like, my daughter was this. We can do anything together. We could do anything. We go on every ride, Indiana Jones, cars, doesn't matter. Tower of Terror, bring it on. And then I noticed as she got older and other kids her age would be like, oh, I'm not going in that, I'm not going in that. She started to be like, well, maybe I shouldn't do it either. And then as she got older, she started to become more afraid of things that used to be like exciting to her. And when I would tell her, no, just come on, just trust me, come on, it'll be so much fun. When she was, you know, four or five, she'd be like, all right, dad, let's go, right? And we would go. And then as she got older, she'd be like, "Mm, no, dad, that's too much. And so there was one time um, recently we went to uh, Tahoe and we wanted to go parasailing. So parasailing is when you get you, attached to a boat and they put a parachute on you and you, you start off on the boat and then you end up like a thousand feet in the air looking down at the boat, hoping it'll make you believe in God. Because you're like, if this thing breaks. <laughs> and so we did this parasailing thing. Maui, come on. This is like the perfect time. I'm talking about parasailing and boats and oceans and... Hey! <laughs> Clutch. I never doubted you for a second, no matter what these kids say. So, so, so I wanted to take her parasailing. And the whole time, she's like, I, and I knew I couldn't tell her what we were going to do because she would freak out. So I just be like, hey, it's going to be a great time. Trust me. She's like, no, Dad, what are we going to do? Where are we going? What are we doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. Just trust me. And, uh, I should have said, we're going on a boat ride. (laughs) I wasn't thinking. I just said a surprise, trust me. And she's like, Dad, just tell me. Just what are we going to do? Like, do I need a jacket? Do I need to wear shoes? Like, what are we going to do? I'm like, don't trip. It'll be fun. Just trust me. She's like, no, no. And then she starts, like, freaking out on me. And so I'm trying to convince her, like... If you just trust me, it's going to be the funnest thing you've ever done in your nine years of living, okay? Like, you think Minecraft is fun? Wait till you just get above it all. So, come here real quick, my friend. Come here, yeah, hurry up. And so, I'm trying to convince... You look nothing like my nine-year-old daughter. I just like your jersey. And you have the best voice at camp. Have you guys had a conversation with this guy? Literally, ladies, stay away from him. He'll talk you out of your life, okay? Come up here. Come up here. Yeah. And so, it's, I'm trying to convince my child that if you just trust me, you're going to have so much fun. But for whatever reason, you're like, no, 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 no. And then you can marry Bridget 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 Jones that's right and so I'm trying to convince like 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 this is the goal like that's fun okay yeah you're you're fun you got the hat yeah yeah like this is ultimate fun okay and I'm trying to convince my child like we need to get there like that is the goal in life like let's just get there but for whatever reason they just don't trust me and a lot of us we hit this 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 moment where um i'm just gonna use you hurry up i don't know if you want to cheer but come on you're amazing you know that right good okay because you represent sin so you're not going to be amazing for right now but in life you are amazing (laughs) <laughs> and this is what happens this is what happens in life when it comes to a relationship with God God's trying to say hey if you trust me we're going to go parasailing we're going to change lives you're going to just trust me like when I created you I came up with a plan I had a, I mapped it all out it's going to be amazing and sin does this it says you can't trust what he's trying to tell you It says "It literally that's exactly what it is it says no matter what God is telling you you can't trust it it's not gonna be that fun it's gonna be scary it's not gonna be that great And, and, and it does it does this thing where we start off like Adam and Eve like in the design, like you start off when God created you, he created you for relationship. He just wants to walk with you. That, that, that's, that's all this book is about. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. It's a bunch of outlines on how to have a healthy relationship with the one who made you. And for whatever reason, our fears, our insecurities, essentially sin, it spends our entire lives convincing us that everything that he says is not true. And even the times you want to believe it, like you'll come to camp, some of you guys have been coming to RVR your whole life. You were born dang near at RVR. Like you've been coming to RVR since it was 18, 13. You are know what I mean? Like you, you got dual citizenship, you know? And you hear messages like this every single summer. And every single year summer, you're like, yes, I'm gonna choose Jesus, yes and you have your cry night, and you have your counselors that you fall in love with, and you have your little camp crush. You get all the things. Trust me, I've been there, I've done it. And then at the end of it, this is what happens. One, two, three days, maybe weeks, if you're lucky, later, something comes in front of your life where, you know, for that one week at RVR, you were like, me and God and paintball, we're in. You know what I mean? ball are the most spiritual. I know. I know. I know. Classic. Hey, 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 hey. Come on. You couldn't make a decision. That's why you got to choose God or not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Commit to something. But catch me on this. Catch me on this because I, I don't want this to slip you. I want you to think about what is the thing that's stopping you from fully trusting that God is for you, that his plan for your life is better than your plan for your life, What's causing you to, instead of, notice the in 2 Samuel it says, when the kings were at war, meaning there's something that God has called you to do that you're sitting down and not doing. When you should be fighting for whatever God's placed in front of you, when you should be pursuing the dreams, when you should be pursuing things, when you should be doing things, you're sitting back. And you're allowing the lies of sin, you're allowing the, 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 the lies and the temptations that what is out there is better than what he has for you and you're falling victim to that and it's causing you to feel stuck and it's turning Christianity instead of a a healthy relationship where you're getting to know Jesus turning into a religious routine where yeah I go to the Christian camp or I go to the church or maybe you don't even believe anything anymore I mean you come to camp because it's fun but you don't even really believe what you hear because you've been listening so long to the lies that God you can't really trust God. You can't trust God. You guys can all sit down. Thank you real quick. Cool. Last last thing I'll say, my my daughter, she did. She ended up going parasailing with me. And uh I wish I would have paid for the pictures because then I could have showed them to you but the parasailing thing was expensive enough. I was like, hey, you do the thing where you just, you know what I mean? Like, but, but it was one of the best moments we've ever had together. And uh, she just said, thank you, dad, thanks. And I want all of us, this is for me too. Like there's still things in my life where I struggle, I struggle to trust God with certain things because life is hard. And things aren't always fair, and things don't always make sense. And sometimes it feels like I'm better off figuring this out on my own. That's, that's the thing I deal with. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I just got to figure it out on my own because no one else will. And I think when we do that, when we put ourselves in that position, we rob ourselves of the joy and of the freedom and of the peace of depending on a Heavenly Father who actually loves us more than we love ourselves. Here's what I want to ask you tonight. Would you stand up, please? I know every night I've been praying for you, but this time you got to pray for yourself. This is something that is between you and God because I can't answer this question for you. But I want you to ask yourself something. If you, um, In this moment, I do want you to bow your head and close your eyes just because I want you to focus in for yourself. I want you to ask God, this question, and I want you to have the faith. that it Only it only takes a little bit. Just, just maybe, just maybe, believe that he'll he'll answer you about this. Just, just take a risk, take a chance, and ask God this. Say, God, what am I not trusting you with in my life? I think the best way I can describe Christianity for those of you who maybe are on the fence or those of you who maybe have a warped perspective of it. It has nothing to do with how much you attend church or how often you read your Bible. It has everything to do with how well, how fully you can trust in your Creator. How much of your life can you trust to Him? How much of your life can you surrender to Him? of your life can you believe him for And tonight I want you to just ask him say God show me the areas of my life where I'm not trusting you because I promise you that's that's the sin it's probably not what you think it is the sin is not who you're attracted to the sin is not the, the 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 negative thoughts you have about yourself that that's not that's not the sin the sin is not your emotional state the sin is not uh, your mental state your mental health, that that's not that's not sin the bible says there's no condemnation there's no shame to people who are in Christ Jesus the bible says Jesus says, he said, I didn't come to judge the world I didn't come to condemn the world I didn't come to gaslight the world said so I came to save it I came to love it so ask yourself what's stopping me from trusting in the love of Jesus? What's stopping me from really trusting that God's love love is enough for me to feel seen? What's stopping me from feeling that God's love is enough for me to feel known? What's stopping me from believing that God's love love is enough for me? What's in the way of that? Is it some past experiences you've had? Is it some present experiences that you're going through? Is it an addiction that you can't get rid of? Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And if you don't feel like you get an answer right here in the moment, guess what? That's okay. Maybe God wants to use this as a conversation starter. Maybe this is the first time you've actually asked God something in a long time and He's just glad you asked so it's going to turn into a conversation instead of a one word text back answer that you get in your mind, but I want to pray for you, and then I'll dismiss you. God, you you see and you hear every single student in this place. You hear their heart's desire to know how can they get in healthier relationship with you? How can they accept? How can they believe? How can they trust the love that you have for them? Maybe they've never actually felt a tangible love. Maybe they don't know what Maybe they don't believe they can't trust anybody because the last person they trust hurt them. God, I'm asking tonight that you just show us. Show us the thing that's trying to block us from trusting in you. Is it our pride? Is it our fear? Is it shame of something we've done? I pray that you show it to us, God, so that we can trust that you are big enough to remove it. Speak to every single person tonight in some way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.